Cubicle Nate Noodling is recorded on the 25th of January, 2020. This is my corner of the internet, where I talk about the fun things that tickle my nerdy nerve endings. Continuing to pluck away at this with my 13th installment makes this either my luckiest podcast yet, or just a baker's dozen of digital garbage. On the docket for today, Contact, an Econati reference, Solar, an application for Logitech Unifying Receivers, my Dell Inspiron 20 3048 with an SSD upgrade, Winscribe VPN service, a bit of follow-up on Farin OS, my OpenSUSE corner, and computer history retrospective about word processing. I'm a pretty huge fan of Contact. I've been using it since 2004 time frame. And a few years ago, well, maybe 10 years ago now, they introduced this Econati database. It's had a bit of a sordid past, I would say. But I still consider it a killer feature of the Plasma desktop. I just have not found a good replacement for it, and I don't see that happening anytime soon. I decided to publish my reference concerning the maintenance that sometimes Econati requires. I could be an edge case on this, since I have five mail accounts and multiple calendar accounts as well. Historically, I've had issues where losing network connection regaining it, suspending and resuming my machine over a period of time would cause the database to sort of have fits. So I've published my fixes for whenever the need arises. So you know those those stories of people have, that have crazy habits that don't really make sense, things that they do that don't really help or solve a problem, like soaking your elbow in Windex if you have an elbow ache, or making sure spoons are organized in just the right fashion. That could be what this reference is in my entire publishing of the post as just an expression of my obsessive compulsive tendencies. So take that into account should you choose to use any of this reference that I made for maintaining your Econati database. But any feedback is absolutely welcomed. I recently purchased a new Logitech wireless keyboard for my kitchen computer because the Bluetooth keyboard I had previously used was, well, driving me nuts. Mostly for the keyboard layout and sometimes because it didn't want to connect, possibly due to hardware failure or a bad design. I'm not sure which. It also doesn't have multimedia keys, like volume control, so I thought it best just to replace the thing. I've previously used LTunify with success, but I only used it because L came before S, so that was my first stop. Since I received feedback that I should try Solar, I did so this time. Since there isn't an official Linux-based application available for Logitech, the fine open source community has stepped in to make managing your devices simple and straightforward. So having Solar in the system tray is really quite handy, though the reality is I don't need it all the time. In fact, it isn't actively running very often, but having it to manage your devices is very handy. It's nice to know that you can manage multiple unifying receivers with this application. It's easy to use, it has a great, well-laid-out, straightforward interface, and I'm glad I was recommended to try this application. It has now been placed very high on my list of tools to keep handy, should the need arise. There comes a time in the lifespan of a computer where you decide that the performance becomes a little lacking. That was my case with my Dell Inspiron 20 3048 all-in-one. The state of the drive was becoming a little dubious, as it felt like it was getting slower and having periodic file system errors. Rather than just reinstall OpenSUSE on that same drive, I decided I wanted to make an inexpensive upgrade, so I purchased a solid-state drive for it. Since I've taken this unit apart before, I already knew what I was getting into with it. The back of the computer comes off, but 
does take some time to get all the snaps to release. I'd really prefer that it was held together with screws instead of snaps. That's the only design choice I really don't care for with this machine. Upon releasing the back cover from the chassis, it exposed the 2.5 inch drive which sits in the lower left hand corner of the machine as you look at it. The drive is held in by a caddy that snaps in the chassis. No tools required to remove it or insert the drive. I think it's actually quite the clever design. The hardest part of the whole job was hanging the computer on the VESA mount. In fact, as much as I like utilizing VESA mounts, they are often a pain in the fanny to work with when you don't have an extra set of hands. After installing all the software and such, I decided to do a little benchmarking. The average read rate of this drive is 443.9 megabits per second with 100 samples. The access time is pretty great compared to the typical seek time of spinning rust hard drive platter, which averages around 100 megabits per second. Essentially, it's a factor of four increase in performance. The seek time on the SSD is 0.1 milliseconds as opposed to the 18.81 milliseconds, which is about 180 times faster there. I resisted for a long time going to SSDs because that seems to be my MO on new technology. If it's new, I just don't use it. I'm glad that the SSD technology has come down in price. It has greatly improved the performance of this aging all-in-one and extending the life of this machine, really. Performance improvements of SSDs over HHDs or hard disk drives is not in any way a revelation. The point I want to emphasize here is that by installing an SSD, the machine is far more useful and the user experience is vastly improved. So rather than chuck the old computer, swap out the hard drive with a solid-state drive. With all the talk of virtual private network services to keep you safe, and my general lack of interest in the subject, I was talking to Eric Adams, my co-host on the DLN Extend podcast, about the subject. He was telling me that he was hesitant to recommend any service, so he gave me some options to try out. The one I chose, after doing a little reading, was Windscribe. I'm new to the VPN game, so I wanted to be careful in saying I am recommending this as a perfect solution, but rather demonstrating how I set it up and how I'm using it on my OpenSUSE Tumbleweed system. My employer requires me to VPN into the company network to do any real work, so even they recognize the value of a good VPN. So maybe I should too. How often do I plan on using it? Not all that often, really. Maybe a few times per month, specifically when I'm using an internet access point that I do not trust. I will especially use this if my access point has Xfinity in the SSID, as I have little to no trust for them. I appreciate how simple Windscribe is to use. And should I get to the point where I'm pushing my 10 gigabytes per month limit, I will go on to an annual subscription. It's not that expensive to put up one extra line of defense, especially one as convenient as this. For my Biddle follow-up, Baron OS is the current Biddle challenge. I find that I really appreciate the work that goes into Farron OS. It is certainly worth a spin for anyone, whether you are a KDE fan or not. I do think that his departure from using Cinnamon as the base has been good for the overall experience. Not because yeah, I'm a huge fan of Plasma, but that it seems to have opened up a lot more creative flexibility to the project. My review of Farron is still forthcoming at the time of the recording of this thing, but I find that the experience is great. It feels like a polished, well-thought-out product that pays attention to the finer details. Farron OS, here in 2020, is simply fantastic. The way you are greeted and guided through the setup is brilliant. I am not keen on every design decision, but that matters not, as I am never keen on every design decision to include my own. Farron OS is going for a look that is uniquely its own and not afraid to experiment, cross toolkit boundaries, and stray from the normal. I appreciate the design decisions more than any other boutique distribution that I have seen in a long while. Do I like all of them? No. Would I choose many of these? Also no. But I think they do look great, make for an enjoyable experience, just not one that I necessarily prefer. In my open SUSE corner, I'm going to talk about Tumbleweed Snapshots 2020 0105, 06, 07, 08, 09, 
10, and 11. Yest received an update to 4.2.49, along with 12 modules that have been upgraded, several bug fixes. Smartmon Tools was upgraded to 7.1, many bug fixes there. Shotwell received an update to 0.30.8. Mesa and Mesa Drivers updated to 19.3.1. There are numerous bug fixes and features, including OpenGL 4.6 support for Intel drivers, a number of new Vulkan extensions supported by Intel and Radeon, better AMD Radeon AP performance, and many, many more things. LibInput was upgraded to version 1.15.0. Plasma Thunderbolt provided some bug fixes. FWUPD at version 1.3.6 and included plugins for Core Boot updates for Dell hardware and a host of other fixes and improvements. The KDE Plasma packages are now at 19.12.1. Basically, everything related to the Plasma desktop has had many, many bug fixes across the entire suite of applications and tools. Mozilla Firefox, now at 72.0.1. It addressed several CVEs. The Tumbleweed Snapshot Reviewer gives 2020-0105 a stable 94, 0106 a stable 94, 07 a stable 97, 08 a stable 96, 09 a stable 98, 10 a stable 99, and 11 a stable 95. So we are at a 4.0 once again. I have a nifty little link here if you're interested in open source games that run on OpenSUSE via the direct installation. I've sort of forgotten about all the games that are already there on OpenSUSE. And if I forgot about it, maybe you have too. So some of the interesting games I see are Zero AD, it's a real-time strategy game of ancient warfare. Armagetron, a game I used to play many years ago. It's a motorcycle battle game in the theme of Tron. Barbie Seahorse Adventures. Yes, I said that, Barbie Seahorse Adventures. It's a 2D pixel art platformer that I can admit I've tried and I thought was rather enjoyable. Endless Sky is a space exploration and combat game. Extreme Tux Racer is a high-speed Arctic racing game based on Tux Racer, a box set that I bought some 16 years ago, probably. And there are many, many more to check out that I truly find enjoyable. So if you go to software.opensusa.org slash packages slash games, you'll see everything that's kind of a it's kind of a curated set of games that can be installed with the direct link. In my computer history retrospective, the 1983 then-modern word processor was already adding efficiency to the newspaper industry where columnists could write in a remote location, type, edit, and transmit content via modem to the newspaper, where books could be written, stored on disks, and transmitted to the publisher when it was completed. Even in 1983, correcting spelling and stylistic devices were already being employed. While some writers had disagreement with the effect on written language by these technologies, and that computers will promote dry, bland writing by diluting an individual style, others claim that it improves the writing writing ability, and the amount of computer intervention is at the writer's discretion. It was even suggested by Paul Schindler that, like your car, you should try a word processor before you buy it, which is a good idea because WordVision at the time cost $50 to $75, WordStar was up to $500, and that was just for writing. Paul Schindler gave some advice about not needing to buy a 32-bit supermicro if all you're going to do is word process. I could help but relate that to modern computer thoughts. Don't buy a computer that has more power than you need, but at the same time, I would argue that isn't always the case, as you might expand the usage of your computer over time. So maybe buy a little more computer than you need, but not more than you can afford. It's also interesting to point out that the most powerful tools in word processing and analyzing words was a Unix System 5, which is interesting because still today the most powerful tools for many things is Unix or maybe now Linux-based. Watching this episode of the Computer Chronicles has really made me appreciate the state of word processing today. 
whether it be LibreOffice, ABI Word, or any of the other word processing applications out there that are available to me without any expectation of monetary exchange. Though, if you would like these applications to continue to exist, it would benefit you to donate to them at some level. I found this to be an incredibly interesting retrospective on how differences and similarities of computer or automated technologies employed in the 1980s as compared to today. We are very fortunate that the open source software availability has made day-to-day computing far less expensive, and I would say far more productive. I have included a link to the YouTube video of the Computer Chronicles 1983 show on word processing. As always, thank you once again for listening to yet another rambling of my nerdy nonsense. Feedback is always welcome. Send me an email to how about you be more consistent about this at cubiclelink.com. I hope you tune in again when I make the time for another noodling. See yous. <laughs>